You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. On the left side. I still am left with the question. He has a long discussion on the uh, beginning of Parshas Achrimos. And he says, what I'm left with is the question, Why does the Torah teach us how to do the work, the Avodah on Yom Kippur, by referring to it, Bezos Yavo Aharon? With this, Aaron shall come. We're speaking of every Kohen Gadol in every generation. Why do we speak of it as if we are somehow connecting it more to Aaron than to any other one? So with this, we can get into and explain the upcoming verses. The, the Medrash tells us that Aaron, or whoever is the Kohen Gadol, cannot just walk into the Kodesh HaKadashim whenever they want. That's a prohibition, that they're not allowed to go in. Amr Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon says, the Medrash Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon said, Tsar Gadol Hoyelele Moshe B'davarzeh. Moshe was actually very bothered by this. Amar Oili, woe to me. Shamanitchav Aaron Achi Bimimichitsasa. Maybe Aaron has been rejected on some level. Maybe it was supposed to be that the Kohen Gadol should be able to go into the Holy of Holies any time. And now why would Aaron have been rejected? Maybe because he did the golden calf. Maybe that's why, in order for him to earn his way back to enter the Holy of Holies, he has to go through this whole process. Now the Medrash says that Hashem answered Moshe. But the point that the Alshech wants to hold on to, that this was bothering Moshe, why his brother Aaron wouldn't have, because we know Moshe had all kinds of access, so why shouldn't Aaron, who's the Kohen Gadol, have this kind of access? The Epsilon and Lomers, I'd like to suggest, that the Psukim, the verses themselves, are coming to resolve and defend the honor of Aaron. By mentioning Aaron's name, instead of saying the Kohen Gadol, we say, as if to say, do not even consider that your brother Aaron was rejected because the Gold, the sin of the golden calf happened through him. Ki halo gadol hu You have to understand the prestige and the honor that Aaron has before Hashem. Ki halo bezos yavo Aaron shubamara haniska kedelael because Aaron is going to come and represent me even when other kohanim gedolim are going to come. I'm always going to see it as Aaron because he's my... He's my favorite. This is the question that so many people sometimes have when they see a Kohen gets to do things like duchening or, or, or um, you know, you get to bench first and you say, but, uh, you know, that person, the, there's this other person who seems to be greater in many ways than this Kohen. Why should it go to... And the answer is, because Aaron Kohen, whenever Hashem sees a Kohen doing something, on some level, it's always like it's still Aaron still doing it. 
like the microcosm that we're Israel. Right, right. Just like all of us are like the avos, right? But then, a certain level, it's always like the Cohen, like Aaron, is still doing it. Now you're still concerned, Moshe, that maybe the reason why Aaron doesn't get access is because of the sin of the golden calf. Don't even think this. In order to show this, I'm going to ask that Aaron show up in the Holy of Holies, having brought a par, a bull, which is the golden calf. He's going to use that same animal to glorify Yom Kippur. If there was some issue with the golden calf and Aaron, then Hashem would not ask him to bring it. If it was true, that Hashem still has something beholden to Aaron, we should avoid the cow, the bull. Ki ein kateger because we know that a prosecuting attorney makes a terrible defense uh, but, attorney. But didn't the uh, Alshich? Yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, the Alshich said earlier during the dedication of the Mishkan that the reason that Aaron brought a par for a chatas was because he was physically involved in making the eagle, whereas the Jewish people at the when that was being brought for them, they brought something that was more appropriate oh, for well, here. We know that Aaron Aaron does have to bring atonement, but we're, we're talking now in Yom Kippur whether it's still being held against him. Uh huh. So, so just to bring a par would be held against him. Okay. Right, but uh, it's a good point. It's a good point. You would have to have an initial. You have to explain. He's not going to connect it to that. Achiora, uh-huh. but this proves kilo nidcha chalila b'nekach. Aaron was not rejected. Kilo also alibo machshavos ha'erev rav k'mufurish b'komo because Aaron did not have the thoughts that the erev rav, these mixed multitude, all these people had, as we discussed there. So now he says. Um, so now the question is: Everyone knows that the kohen gadol takes off the choshen. The Me'el, the Ephod, and the Tzitz on Yom Kippur. He only comes in with the white. Why doesn't he come in with the gold clothing? Because of the ego. Because of the ego. So now the Asher has to resolve this question. Well, why am I saying, no, there's no problem. The sin of the golden calf is gone. In fact, come to the Kodesh Kadashim, having sprinkled the blood of a, of a, of a grown ego apart. So he says, other on the contrary. Be Yisrael animakbet. Hashem is only holding this against the Jewish people. For bringing the gold rings. So when Aaron is coming to atone for them, the reason he's wearing white, this is an unbelievable chiddush from the Alshech, the reason why the Kohen Gadol is wearing white is not so that he doesn't remind Hashem of the golden calf for himself, it's because who, where's the Choshen come from? The donations of the people. The gold clothing is going to remind the Hashem of the gold that the Jewish people gave, the rings, the nose rings that they donated for the gold, below big days of, that's when he has to come in in white, not in gold. Because the prosecuting agent can't become the defense attorney. So the gold which comes from the Jewish people, 
That's what I'm concerned about. Not to be seen or found when they are receiving atonement. So Aaron has to wear white clothing so he doesn't arouse the memory of the Jewish people's donation of the gold. But the calf, Shupar, which is the bull, which Aaron is the one who caused, that can be a defense. He is complete before me. So by saying that Aaron should show up on Yom Kippur, having brought for personal carbon, talking about his personal carbon, which Hashem could have asked him to bring any animal. Hashem specifically says, I want you to bring a par and come with that. With this you can come into the Holy of Holies. That is the final stamp on the declaration that Hashem does not hold Aaron accountable for the golden calf. I thought part of not wearing the gold was like, I need to be humble and, you know, not like, oh, I'm so great, I'm walking in with all this gold. Well, that might be an after-the-fact consideration, but generally speaking, the the fancy clothing was an honor to the to the Beis Hamikdash. So the coin was not supposed to let it get to him, which many of them would. But the, the official reason is not the humility. The official reason is because the gold arouses the memory of the golden calf. So is that why we don't wear jewelry and gold on the uh, Well, there, there, there might be other reasons. But yeah, that that that's one of them. But if if it were only that then it would only be an issue with gold. There it's more of an issue not to adorn oneself on the Day of Judgment. Um, it's more le- less related to the Beis HaMikdash and more related to the Day of Atonement and Penitence and Fasting. Um, and angels don't wear we're like angels that day. Well, you can, you can, you can try to add more, more explanations as well. Yeah. Um, I didn't say that. Ubezeh matzano re'inu tuv tam elachniso inyan habegadim being carbonos aron the carbonos Israel. He says, and this actually it gives a very good explanation. If you take a look at the verses, this question may not have occurred to you, but it should have. Which is, when you read the parsha, it gives you the carbon that Aaron should bring. And then it tells you the clothing that Aaron should wear, and then it tells you the clo- the carbon that he brings for the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that clo- the clothing should not have been in between because the clothing is the same for all. Why is he put it in between? So he says, according to this, that you can help, you can understand that he's bringing the power. Aaron's bringing a power for himself, even though it's the same animal as the eagle, because Aaron was completely atoned for. And that explains why the clothing is a problem, because the Jewish people have not been completely atoned for. And then, once it's gone there, then it tells you the carbon you bring for the people. Which is what? Um, so, we're about to see. Furthermore, when it comes to the animals that he brought for the Kohanim, it was just one par that was brought. One for him, one for the Kohanim, and there was no necessity to bring another one to throw off the mountain in order to keep the prosecuting agent away. Ach basayer, but the but nice to have reception, don't they? But yeah, but the goat. Which and that's what he said. The goat which was brought for the people, which you brought as atonement, which he would confess the sins of the people. 
one of the most exceptional of all the Karbanus, which is that you take one and you send it and throw it off the mountain, which deals with trying to pacify the prosecuting agent in the most extreme way, that was only for the people, because the people needed atonement. And they get a goat, they don't get a cow. Um, from the Jewish people, you have to take goats. For Aaron, you could just bring one. You put the two a a a lot on each of the two goats. Aaron is so meritorious that he can bring the bull. Shemina Egel, which is the, the same kind as the Egel. Yisrael Aidei which is an interesting way. But the Alshech, um, we're going to move on to another piece here. But he completely turns things around. Usually we say the Jewish people receive atonement and it's always being held over Aaron. The Alshech HaKadosh has a completely different perspective. He understands that Aaron is so much atoned for that he has no issues of running into Kategor Nasa Senegor of the pro- defender um, of trying to defend with the prosecution. He it's not a problem at all. And uh, in fact it's the Yisrael, it's the Jewish people who have this problem, both in the case of not being able to bring a par and the Choshan which comes from the gold they donated cannot come in to the uh, Kodesh Kadashim and the Jewish people are the ones who need that who need the uh, um, the goats want to be thrown off the mountain in order to receive atonement and as the Alshech made it very clear it's because Aaron's intentions were pure while the Jewish people's intentions were not pure and although his actions may have resulted he was doing it all for a good purpose unlike the Jewish people who ran to go donate their rings for the sake of the eagles. So do we consider him uh, he never sinned or he was forgiven? Well, he um, that's a good question. It sounds like he the Alshech is learning that he never really sinned. He may have needed some forgiveness, but not to the point where it's being held against him. Okay, I'd like to move now to to Parshas Kedoshim. <laughs> On page Kuf Lamed, which is 938. Okay. Parsha's Kedoshim is a difficult Parsha to fully understand because of two major issues. Number one is the connection between the different mitzvahs that Parsha's Kedoshim runs through. And number two, which the Ashok discusses often, is the seeming constant switch between the Torah speaking to the plural and the Torah speaking to the individual. It goes from Lashon Yachid to Lashon Rabin, back to Lashon Yachid. This is something that the Ashok deals with throughout the parsha. And I'd like to look at one example of, of uh, the Ashok trying to deal with this. Uh, on page Kuf Lamed, on the right side, it says, Ubekutzrechem, and when you harvest, the harvest of your fields, um, do not finish off, page Kuf Lamed 938, on the right side. 
when you harvest, do not finish the harvesting of your field. This, of course, is the mitzvah to leave peah, to leave the edge of the field over for the poor people. Amruzal b'psikta parshas re'eh al our sages teach us, aser to aser, you should give your tithings. Sha'omer HaKadosh Baruch Hashem says like this, if you hire a sharecropper to come down into the field, no sin low, mechza or shlish or ravia, depending on the place, the sharecropper would take half of what he grew, or a third of what he grew, or a quarter of what he grew, depending on how good the unions were in that part of Eretz Yisrael. Ve'ena maya klum. Um, and yet, they don't really do that much. Because when he plows and plants, were not for I who brings the winds and drops the rain and the dew, what would his what would his work accomplish? I'm really doing it all. I'm your most skilled sharecropper. So I've got a deal of a lifetime, 10% is all I ask. That's the, that's the medrash in Parshas Re'eh. What? It's a good argument. It's a good argument. I don't charge quite as much as everyone else. So he says, you can read this into the Pasuk here. When you bring a carbon shlamim, that's a carbon in the base Hamikdash. Shinasatim li You gave it to me. That's what a shlamim is. It's a peace offering. It's a gift to the base Hamikdash. It ends up that the majority of the animal goes back to you to eat. You're bringing a carbon shlamim, and the majority of the meat goes back to you. So it was just the person wants to bring a peace offering. There's no, right? That's the it, that's the thing. It's it's a gift. There's no sins. There's no. So you're bringing me a gift, and what do I do? I give the majority of it back to you. So if that's the system we're working with, so then you too may rove tivuos from all the grains shakomi many which I have given you. What I should ask for is the majority for the sake of the poor of my people. It's a deal. You bring me an animal, I give you back the majority. I give you a grain, you should give me back the majority, meaning you should give it to the people. Now you'll say, well, how is the people giving it to Hashem? Because that's the people of Hashem. Not like that that famous joke about the the uh, three clergymen who are fighting over the best way to give tzedakah. So one religion says, you know, I, I draw a line in the ground, I throw up all my money, whatever lands to the right goes to charity, whatever goes to the left um, stays, stays, with, uh, stays with me. And the other one says, I draw a circle around me, whatever lands inside is mine, whatever lands outside goes to, goes to uh, charity. And then the rabbi says, I throw up all my money in the air, whatever God wants, he can keep. <laughs> and the rest uh, so <laughs> right. so so but here the the, the ani ami 
right? The poor of the people, that's giving it back to Hashem. And what this Pasik is telling you is that the reason why it's written right after the halachas of Korban Shlamim, again, what's the connection? You just talked about the rules of the Korban Shlamim. And then it says, and by the way, when you harvest your field, and everyone's struggling to find the connection, he says the connection is... The Hashem is showing you His system. When it comes to Shlamim, you give me a gift and I give you back 60%. And now, when I give you a gift, you should give me back 60%. But, I'm not going to ask that. A little bit. All I want is a little bit. Leave over a little. Don't finish harvesting your field. And the pickings of your harvesting. The little things that fall over. Fall out of the hand of the, har- the one cutting. Or the, the, use, the junk of the grapevines. Don't pick at it. Just leave over the inferior grapes for the poor. So don't think that you're giving of your own to the poor. This is my money. Or worse yet, think that the poor man has been rejected by God. Because then why wouldn't God give him himself? You should know, the poor man is my child as much as you. The explanation is, I did give him. I just gave him his portion in your field. Why? Because I want to give you the merit to give him back his portion from your hands. So if I would give everyone what they're supposed to have, then no one would have the opportunity to give tzedakah. So Hashem gave everything to um, certain people. Other people have nothing. And then it becomes their job to give back to the poor people what's theirs. Kamafur Shatzlenu. What? Such a pleasant interpretation. Right, well, we'll see. He's going he's gonna to read this into the verse. That's true. Kamafur Shatzlenu, right. But you don't want anyone to show up and say, give me my money, right? It doesn't work. In fact, if someone ever does do that, just tell him, in fact, oh, you must have seen this Torah from the al So it's good you say this, because I think your money is by my neighbor. <laughs> That's why it says in the Torah, you should take care of the poor person with you. With you, meaning the Torah is telling you that what's his is actually given to you. So, I, I mean, this, this is a beautiful way to read the mitzvah, but listen to what the Alshech does here. I haven't seen anyone just put this together in terms of the verse. That's why the Torah starts off plural. When you, plural, when y'all, harvest your fields. And then the Torah switches in the middle of the mitzvah to singular. If it says, Lo do not finish the edge of your field. He's talking in a plural sense. It's your field, all of your field, because he's talking to the owners of the field, which is everyone. Shalbal the owner of the field, 
officially. Vehaani and the poor man, Vehager and the stranger, they all really own the field. Because it is really of many people, according to the truth. Their portion is in there. So the Torah says, as if to say, this is a field of many people. Therefore, the Torah then singles out the rich man, don't cut it all, it's not all yours. Especially since the, the rich man usually hires these same poor people and the stranger and the ger to um, harvest the field. So to all these people, when you harvest the harvest of your field, then he says to the owner of the field, I'm talking to you because you're the one who could harvest the entire field. Don't cut the whole thing. Don't harvest. Because you see how I started the verse in plural terms, as if to say it belongs to many people, so that no individual should take control of it completely. So, so why do they get the leftovers? Why don't they get the first part? Yeah, that's that, that's what he says. They really should get more. But God was uh, God is very uh, lenient, liberal in this regard. Is this why uh, people who are employed in harvesting also get to eat from a field while they're doing it? Um, perhaps there it's it's usually related more to losachsam shorbadisho, which is the concept of of seeing something and being un- unable to partake of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we don't usually associate that with uh, with that being his portion, because he might even be rich. Mm-hmm. You can have the worker be richer than the owner of the field, and still he's able to eat because mm-hmm. when you're working with something, it's very hard. Because he would be that person would actually be getting it first. He would be in, in fact the first one. Well, he's more like that sharecropper, right? That he said. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay. What's cool is it's like. Evan Ivory or any of these other systems, mm-hmm. it keeps the guy on top a little bit less balgaivish because, hey, it's only by I'm only letting you play this part. You're part of the right. of right. the be gra- parts of the. Of be the grateful, city. you get to be one of the givers, not not the receivers. Right. right. So he, he's going to talk more about that. But uh, I, usually, when people explain why it goes from plural to singular, they give some kind of. A difficult explanation. He's actually reading the plural and the singular into the literal reading of the verse, just making it a straight read. When all of you cut that field, you, that one guy who has the control of it, don't take it all. Ready? Sister Cohen says that, regarding that, um, you see the, the plural, uh, it's really referring to the yachid, and yachid refers to the plural. Right, I'm mean, saying that there are other solutions to this problem. However, this one is much more, I guess, satisfying. Right. Mm. So they they should, they should. And there's a question as to how do you know when to go in the field? How do the poor people know? Oh, so there's rules about this. There's a whole peah. Yeah. So they have to actually be watching. Well, the, you know, it's a, after a certain time, you leave over the edge, and then you make announcements. At this point in time, we're going to open the field. Everyone who wants to come and cut should cut, and all, all that. Yeah, There's a, we're just not familiar with it because we don't learn say the Zerayim much because uh, we're not involved in it. But in Eretz Yisrael, these these guys, you know, they they're going to to uh, we're, we're going to hear someone speak on Peah today, or or Meiser Sheni, or you know, these these. I mean, it's just that we, there's this big lie about Shemitah, that, you know, there's so many people keeping Shemitah now in Israel, you should fund them. What about this? I mean, these, are, these, are, these are relatively easy for a farmer to keep. 
relatively easy because uh, um, it's it's at um, it's about one sixtieth of the field, so it's 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 not a large amount, and it doesn't it's not something that the uh, taking a year off can be um, within the realm of nature can be devastating to a farmer. But uh, this this small amount, uh, they end up writing it off anyway. Yeah. Um. And then the Torah continues. Lo sechale, don't finish your field. The Chaz of Ahmed and the Torah then again says, Tazov, you should leave it for them. would have been enough for the Torah to say, it shall be for the Ani and for the Ger. Why does it say, Tazov, you should leave it for them? Achkiven, the, the Torah intends like this. Pentomar no Yisrael. You, the Yisrael, the Jews shall say, Imakol shulcha, if it's all yours, meaning if it is all Hashem's, why would you accept such a small amount for your poor? Which was the question you asked. This is what we say, you shall not finish the edge of your field. Now, this, this is a, a concept that the Al-Sheikh does, mentions many times. I really all the Darshanim do this, which is the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu keeps the Torah. Because Baruch keeps the Torah, keeps the mitzvahs. To, um, we can even ask questions like, how could Hashem do this when the, it says in the Torah that you're supposed to do this? Because Hashem follows the laws of the Torah. The Torah is Hashem's wisdom given by Hashem. And what's interesting is that Hashem ends up following the Torah the way that we, the Chachamim, decide the Halacha. That's the way Hashem has the Paskin, because Torah is Lord Hashemayimi. It's up to us. So the Alshech will very often look at a Halachic concept and then apply it to the way that Hashem interacts with us based on the halacha. You know, the most famous example being a Blev Yitzchak or Berdichev used to, used to say, it says in the Gemara that, uh, um, when, when the Jewish people have tefillin which has in it the praises of Hashem, and Hashem has tefillin which has in it the praises of the Jewish people. So, um, so the, uh, used to, in his davening, he used to say to Hashem, the halacha is that if a Jew drops his tefillin to the ground, that he has to pick it up and kiss it, and he has to do all kinds of um, reparations to... So he says, Hashem, you've allowed your tefillin to fall to the ground. And so you have to pick us up and kiss us and bring us back to our land. You know, this kind of... So using, using a halachic... So he says, The halacha is like this. If someone, and this is an interesting case, let me give the, the full case, the halacha outside. The halacha is like this. When a husband and, when a man marries a woman, the fields that belong to her remain hers, but they fall under his custody or his guardianship. Which means he is responsible for their upkeep, and he is um, c- controls the crops that are grown, and he controls who gets to eat what. And then, when now this is in in the ksuba today, we don't our ksubas are written differently because we don't really have fields. But this was the standard ksuba. Of course, in every situation, you could personalize ksuba and say put in whatever you want. There's different ways of doing it. A woman can opt out of this, but this is generally for the protection of the woman that the husband should take care of her fields. That the halacha is but Suprina. 
Basically, right. So, what the halach is that as long as he, uh, um, he, he takes care of the fields, he eats the fruits, the moment that the, he hands her a uh, bill of divorce, at that moment when he gives her the get, it all immediately reverts back to her. So the question is like this. What happens if a, a man invests, he, she has a field that's worth $100,000. He wants to do some good stuff to it. He invests another $100,000 and then brings in workers. And then the field is, is beginning to grow. The crops are growing and everything. And then they decide to get divorced before, um, before the things finish growing. He can say, well, I invested in this, and I only got, I, I didn't get anything from it. So therefore, I want to take back my investment. So he can take, he invested, the field was worth 100000 he invested 100000 I guess now it's worth, uh, let's call, say, 200000 So he gets to take 100000 of the field because he invested it, and he's allowed to take that back out. Now he can take it back out, not by ruining the field, because that would be pointless, but by taking half the field. I mean, that's, that's the halacha. However, if... Um, if what happens if he started to use the field, he started to consume, and then, so the halacha is like this. Someone who brings in workers to fix up his wife's field. The halacha is, If he ate even one fig, by fig is a uh, as, as an, uh, just an example, but it means if he ate anything, derech, Covered in an honorable way. Meaning, if he had even the smallest amount, but not like he went into the field and he picked off a grape and said, oh, this is pretty good, that wouldn't count. But if he actually takes, bring, comes home with a little bag of grapes and, says, and eats it for dinner, so now he has behaved as an owner over these, that small amount justifies his investment, and she gets back in his entire field, he's taken what he's taken. What he spent, he spent. You know, you bad luck. Because you, you got to take, you didn't get to take enough, but you got to partake of it as an owner, that counts. So he would have been better off not taking anything. He would have been better Well, yeah, yeah. If he, if or he, waiting he, a month. Or waiting till, till harvest. Right, but that's the halacha. You know, sometimes you don't get everything you... Um, you you were planning on getting. How does that justify the 100,000, though? I mean, the bag of grapes... Uh, it's not a fair... Uh, it doesn't matter, because it's not about the 100,000. You invest into the field so that you can have. As soon as you have something, that's you've now qualified your investment, even if it doesn't come close to the amount of money that you invested. That's the halacha. So if he's planning on getting a divorce or something, Right, he shouldn't. Right, he shouldn't, because if he does... That was his choice. Yeah, that was it. He, he had it, he took it. Right, okay, that's the halacha. So even though he spent all this money in the field, it could all be fulfilled, so to speak, by this one fig, because that was his eating of it. As you know, It happens many times, you invest in the field, you put money into something, and you get very small return. So... Um, measuring big returns versus small returns, we can't have a system like that. As long as you got a return, but it has to be a return as an owner. Tain lo kain hadavra hazes. So he says, God follows the same rules. Kol ma God invests a lot more than a hundred thousand in your field. 
When the Sarati the I gave you called to Asecha all your grain, the Karmacha, your vineyard, the Zesecha, your olives, Enishal Memcha, I'll take the equivalent, Rakpea Vishibola Salek at the edge of the field, and a little bit of the dropped grain. Achbezos, but on one condition. Shiyadarch Kavu, that has to be in a respectable way. So therefore, instead of you handing it to the poor, don't finish the edge of the field. And then you'll pick up these pieces and give it to the poor man. That's not honorable. Ki is bayish. You're embarrassed. Anytime someone has to put out their hand to receive, there's shame involved. Leave it to the edge of the field. Let them take a little bit of their own, their covered in an honorable way. They're showing up with their sickles and they're coming to cut grain. That makes them feel like they're an owner, they're a part of it. So God uses this halacha, that even a small amount, as long as it's done in an honorable way as the owner, that that can be considered as if it's worthy the entire investment. God says, I'll put the investment. I'll send you water and minerals and all kinds of things. And all I'm asking for is a small little bit, a small amount in an honorable way. You don't give it to the poor man. And that's actually the halacha. The worker can't go, ooh, I dropped that. Hey, would you like it? He has to leave it. Let the poor person come and take it as if it's his. That's why it says, Tazovos, and that's why the Torah follows it up. By saying, leave the edge of the field to the poor man, you shall leave them. And he asked, that was a repetition. It already says you should give it to them. The answer is no, because the Torah is telling you, don't give it to them. Leave it for them. I am Hashem, your God. I am equally your God to the poor man and to the ger. So I want my part taken by the poor man, and I want it to done in an honorable way. O Karov Lozeh, says the Alshech, and this is even more beautiful, if I could say that, um, in, a, in a different direction, but similar. Kiratzahu Yuzbarach Lalameh, Hashem wants to teach us, Marav Tuv, how amazing is it, Matan Baseser, to give in secret. Ashloyevo Shamekabla, so that the person who receives it is not embarrassed. As we know, the Ramam lists different levels of tzedakah, and when it comes to different levels of tzedakah, there's a preference given to, and usually in most cases of tzedakah, the poor man knows um, who he's receiving it from. Then there's a greater level where the um, where there's one side blind, which means the rich man is giving it to um, to the. You can have the rich man who's giving it to the poor man. You know, slips a, an envelope into his pocket and he doesn't know who left him the cash. So that's where the rich man knows. So the poor man is still a little bit embarrassed because he knows that some guy found his coat in shul and uh, dropped an envelope into it. So he still feels a bit embarrassed and maybe he's walking down the aisles going, I wonder if it's him, I wonder if it's him. The other way is also a bigger mitzvah, which is where the um, poor man knows who he got it from, but the rich man doesn't know who he gave it to. So that would be either in the case where someone sends someone else to ask for him, or as we had in the cases where people would drop money and then people who wanted it would take it. 
In other words, uh, someone would leave certain things in a certain place, and whoever needs would go and take. So that would be a single blind way. And then the greatest way is where you have double blind tzedakah, which is in most cases of a gabai tzedakah. That's why it's very important for every town to have a gabai tzedakah, which is someone who has the list of the rich people and the poor people. And uh, he, he knows, and uh, we're assuming that there's no, uh, there's no shame there, um, there is the highest level of of, uh, of blind uh, charity, which is where, like we had in the base of Mikdash, which is where there was this room, the tzedakah room, where everyone would go into, and you would either take or give. And so there, nobody nobody knew anything. So th- these, but but the, there's a concept of matan beseser. Why? What's the point of matan beseser? Because even though you you're giving the tzedakah there's another mitzvah of making sure there's no shame. And without the Alshech, this thought might never have occurred to us. Says God, I give you your grain. You guys don't feel like you're getting handouts. You really are. God is saying, I give you handouts every day, I'm giving you tzedakah, I make it rain, you know, business comes in, the customers are coming in, this is, uh, everything's working out, things are showing up on time, the, um, uh, you know, someone didn't cut a wire in your neighborhood, so you have electricity, all these things that you're taking for granted, these are all gifts, and you show up every day saying, oh, that was a good day at work, I really worked hard today. You don't think that it was all... So that's because Hashem does a wonderful job of making it look like you're actually doing it. So says the Alshech, Hashem makes it look like it's your line, Mishalchem. But I gave you everything. I want you to do what I do. Don't act like you're giving to him. Leave it. Let them go pick. After you leave. So you could read that into the Pasuk as well. But when you harvest, I will count it as if it's your land. That's why when you harvest, your land, meaning I'm going to let you act like it's your land, as long as you let them act like it's their land. And all of that, says the Alshech HaKadosh, is included within the Pasukim. Once again, Chaim was... Uh, was a go. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.